Tappers, what's up? It is the Friday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope everybody is doing well. We have a good show to wrap up our Friday. We are talking, if Justin Jefferson was a Packer, what would change? What if Justin Jefferson played for the Green Bay Packers, not the Minnesota Vikings, as the Packers and Vikings get ready to take on each other this weekend? We'll also do a Packer-Viking preview, weave that in there. Then we will introduce the golden keg ratings. Yes, the golden kegs. We're just calling the golden kegs. We're not even going to call them the golden keg ratings. We'll talk about that in the same breath as Marquette Old Miss. The golden kegs are related to that game. We will get into that. I will explain that later. And then we'll do a little bit of betting preview on Wisconsin, Nebraska to finish us up. So really good show today. A little fun little show. Um, and one I'm excited for on a Friday. Justin Jefferson will be lining up against Eric Stokes likely on Sat Sunday. The two SEC alums will be facing off against each other. Uh, it'll be a great test for Eric Stokes. He's been really good this year. He's passed a lot of the tests that have been thrown his way. Jefferson, though, is a special kind of receiver. Jefferson won Rookie of the Year in 2020 and had a massive season and became an immediate star in the Minneapolis Twin Cities. But what if I could tell you that Justin Jefferson could have been a Green Bay Packer? Now some people are like, Charlie, what do you mean? Well, the misinformed would say that the Packers could have actually drafted Justin Jefferson. That's not true. That is a misinformation that a lot of people like to throw around who are Aaron Rodgers fans or want to hate on the Jordan Love pick. That wasn't true. Minnesota drafted Justin Jefferson with the 20th pick, and they drafted him with the first round pick they got from the Buffalo Bills for Stephon Diggs. It was basically the Stephon Diggs replacement. Now, this moment is one I will remember fondly. We all wanted Justin Jefferson. We all knew it was probably unrealistic that Green Bay could get Justin Jefferson in the final part of the first round, and the Packers would have to trade up. But this was probably a little bit too soon, and you knew that the Vikings pick was upcoming. And the Vikings would have another pick, I think like the 24th or 23rd. So you're like, if you survive those, then it becomes very, very real. The immediate moment they drafted Justin Jefferson, my new dog, Lily, who's still my dog, shit in the office that I'm taping this podcast and it was a wet nasty shit and I had to clean it up and it was simultaneous we were on zoom because it was the heart of covid with a bunch of my friends and then the Jordan Love thing happened and and the rest is history but what if Justin Jefferson would have ended up being a Green Bay Packer instead what changes in the landscape of the NFL. Does Green Bay win a Super Bowl last year? Would Justin Jefferson been enough to put the Packers over the top against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I would I would say, well, David Bakhtiari wasn't there and they struggled to pass rush all game long. But if you remember, Green Bay basically had an opportunity to win that game in the second half. Everything was in front of the Packers to win that game. Aaron Rodgers and the team could not execute. If they had a guy like Justin Jefferson, don't you think that Green Bay would have maybe won that football game and came from behind to beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers? I don't know. That will never be known. If Justin Jefferson was on this roster, would we have had the drama of the Aaron Rodgers saga? 
Would the Aaron Rodgers saga have even occurred? Would Rodgers' displeasurement with the organization be a thing? Would it have? Would he have demanded a trade? Would he have wanted out? Would it that had not? Even though he says Jordan Love is his friend, his buddy, all the shit that Aaron spews. Deep down, that was what started it, and the disagreement with management and management and him not being on the same page. Would this have changed things? Would it? Would this have shifted the goalpost? I could honestly argue that the Jordan Love pick, and this might be a podcast for another time, the Jordan Love pick might be the best thing that ever happened to Brian Gunacoust, Mark Murphy, Aaron Rodgers, because what it did was it sort of broke down this wall and the Packers finally realized how mad Aaron Rodgers was at them. And they might have took him for granted and realized that they cannot treat him the same way in the player empowerment, player empowerment era, as well as the sort of just giving your star player a voice. And now I am convinced that they are going to tell Aaron Rodgers, we're going to restructure a deal, but we need you to take significantly less money next year so we can go sign Devontae, so we can go sign Jair, so we can look at Elton Jenkins even next year. And that's the moves we have to make. And then we will pay you. We promise. We'll give you your money. You will get all this money. But we have to restructure it so you are able to to sort of have your other guys. And if Rodgers bluffs, they'll trade him and the rest of the history and Jordan Love time. And we're in our first really rebuilding season since maybe 2005, 2006. But I don't know if we even get here with Justin Jefferson. So I I think that Justin Jefferson would have made things think it was all hunky-dory. Aaron Rodgers finally gets his wide receiver. This receiver is an absolute stud. He's a top player in the league already. Aaron, The combination of Jefferson and Adams, if anything, it probably guaranteed the Packers wouldn't sign Devontae Adams. That's what really would have happened, right? Like the weird fucked up thing about this whole hypothetical scenario is Devontae Adams is probably not a Packer. It's probably a lock that Devontae Adams is leaving. And then the hand-wringing about, oh, this is similar to Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, everybody else. Who knows if Randall Cobb even comes back this year. And then Aaron Rodgers throws a complete fit after Devontae Adams isn't back. And maybe what we had happened last summer, we have it happen this summer. And so I guess what I'm kind of trying to say without really saying it directly, so I will now, is that even though Justin Jefferson would be fucking awesome on the Green Bay Packers, Matt LaFleur definitely could have made him work. He would have been really dynamic for this team. Jordan Love being our pick was a good thing because it's led to sort of flushing everything all out. And we maybe hit that crescendo and we'll see what's happening next. And by the way, Atlanta, if you need a quarterback because you passed up on Mac Jones, you passed up on Justin Fields, maybe you want to give give the Packers a call. Maybe you have some Jordan Love interest. I think they would be willing to talk to you. And that is a very intriguing deal, by the way. I am going to keep an eye on that one. I think that's one to sort of look at going forward because I feel like that would be a very Atlanta move. I think Arthur Smith, Matt Fleur relationship there. 
I think there is some real, real symmetry that could work as Atlanta is looking like they're headed for another rebuild. And they drafted a tight end who was one of the best ever, ever in college. I, I wouldn't say ever in college. That's intense. He was just an all-time prospect. But we know what we've seen with tight ends about first-round picks. And they just haven't. Takes them a little bit of a time to develop. And I think they would rather have Mac Jones right now, quarterback. Don't you? Yeah, I think so. think so as well. All right, let's move on to the betting preview for the Packers and Vikings before we introduce Golden Kegs and talk about Marquette Old Miss. The Green Bay Packers are a two and a half point favorite against the Minnesota Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium. This is much different than last year when the Packers went to an empty U.S. Bank Stadium and they were a three-point underdog. I remember it well. I had a very good day betting that game in a variety of different ways. The line actually is down to one. Uh, the Packers still are getting about 66% of the money, according to Odd Shark. And I do expect this to be a very close game. Now, the question is, can Green Bay keep their cover streak alive? Green Bay Packers have covered the last eight games. They have the longest spread record in 29 years. At some point, it's going to even out. There's no way you can keep covering spreads all season. At some point, you're going to get beat, and you're not going to be able to cover the spread, and the spread dream will be over. But Green Bay hopes to keep it up for this week. I think Green Bay has what it takes to beat Minnesota on the road. I think the defense against Kirk Cousins is going to be a real problem. We'll, un- we'll know pretty quickly if Kirk Cousins is for real this season. The Packers' issues stopping the run. I'm not as concerned, even though Delvin Cook's a beast. Don't get me wrong. I think that Minnesota's offensive line still has question marks. It has I'd say question marks for really all of eternity. But that, that offensive line is not better. Minnesota is also not really getting much of a pass rush. So Aaron Rodgers should have time to throw the football. And I just, I think Minnesota is a team that just needs a refresh. They are the same team they were last year. They were the team they were the year before. They are just about anywhere from an eight and nine, nine and eight team. But that's it. Maybe if lucky, 10 and seven. But I don't really see it with the Vikings roster. That makes me think, wow, this team looks like a juggernaut. They haven't really got their offense going besides last week. And it was an aggressive Kirk Cousins that was that was doing it. I have to think an aggressive Kirk Cousins will be a problem against a Packer defense that loves taking away the football. As for the historical matchup, Minnesota Vikings actually have the Packers straight up in the last 10 games. 5-4-1. and one. Remember that dreadful tie was due to Tony Corrente, a.k.a. Butthole Eyes, as I called him on the blog. Um, against the spread, they're even 5-5. Five and 4-6 five, uh, and six with the over-under. Uh, so the under does kind of play for this one. Divisional rivalry. I don't think you should be surprised by that. Green Bay has had the last seven games of theirs go under. Now it's at 47 and a half. That is kind of a low number. I think Vegas has finally caught up to the fact that the Packers are a defensive first team. Packers are also five and two against the spread versus Minnesota in their last six games. A weirder stat, one that my wife would probably call a fake stat. 
The total has gone under in six of the last seven Packer road games against the Minnesota Vikings. As for any Vikings trends, the Vikings have not been a good betting team. They're 5-11 against the spread in their last 16 games. That is a full season of games. And the Vikings have been god-awful since about this time last year. They've also had some under trends with five of their last seven going under. And then their total has gone under nine out of their last 13 games against the Packers. Minnesota, a one's vaunted home, home field advantage, they're 1-7 against the spread in their last eight games at home. So Minnesota, similar to San Francisco, they have not been able to kind of get the fan support. And when fans are expecting to lose, I think there is a here-we-go-again sort of feel to that. So as for how I would place this bet, how what I would do here, I'd bet the Packers. I wouldn't mortgage your house on it. I wouldn't go too deep on it. i just make it part of your Sunday card involve it i would not touch the over or the under obviously the trends say to go under here but at some point trends are meant to be broken and that's my fear with the packers too i'm a little nervous about this game I'm not gonna lie the more i think about it and maybe it's because i have bad ptsd because i'm working sunday so i'm working during the game on call whatever last year i did that same weekend we lost to the colts and that crazy back and forth shit show of a game and so i'm like okay is this i weirdly think history can repeat itself and it it doesn't it's and it's really dumb to think that way but i do just worry is there a look ahead even though this is a division rival i i hope not i hope that they're not looking ahead to the rams i just feel like the packers haven't got bit by that what the fuck game i realize they had it in getting week one but it seems like every good team has gotten bit by that what the fuck game. And I just hope it's not this one. Let's move on to the Marquette Golden Eagles. The Marquette Golden Eagles scored a great win against the Old Miss Rebs last night, 78-72. to I don't think anybody expected Marquette to win this game. I sure as hell didn't. I thought Marquette would be hungover. I thought... They could get blown out in this game. I just knew heading into this one, it was not one Marquette should win. They weren't even favored. They were a four and a half point dog in that one. So they did cover that spread and they took the money line. So if you bet Marquette, you uh, you made off with some, some nice little cash uh, yesterday. But I think a lot of us sort of looked at that game and said, eh, how are you going to be able to respond? You're a young team and now... You just beat Illinois, all the hype around it, everybody's back in, everyone's sort of Marquette fans again. They came out of the bushes like the Homer Simpson gif, and now it's like, okay, how do you respond? And they started sluggish, and it was like, okay, well, it is what it is. And then they battled back. They kept sort of hanging around. They are like a boxer that refuses to get knocked down. They just sort of hang and they'll throw a couple jabs. David Joplin's three at the end of the half was a great jab. Marquette's down five versus being down eight. And then they just kept chipping away. And Justin Lewis was a major contributor for that. Daryl Marcel played really well, as well as Cam Jones. Those were the three guys who really shined for this Marquette Golden Eagles. And they made free throws down the stretch. And that was a real problem against Illinois. A real issue that Marquette had. I didn't have it in this one. 
17 of 19 from the line in comparison to Old Miss, who was 6 of 15 from the three free throw line. You take a look at three-point percentage. Marquette was 40% from three, as was Old Miss, but they made three more. Now they shot 12 more, or five more, excuse me. That still matters, though. Even though their percentage was the same, the fact that Marquette made five more threes is 15 more points in this basketball game. Context matters, kids. And I think that's you know some of the things you saw from this Golden Eagles team tonight. And they were just able to keep coming at Old Miss. They did not stop at one moment and just kind of made sure that offense stayed efficient and no one was afraid of the big moment. When it was their time to go, they went. Tyler Kolarik, who was pretty much non-existent all game today, he had a huge shot down the stretch. Kolarik, though, don't sleep on his, his performance. Like He had only three points, but he had five rebounds. He had six assists. I mean, that's it's a pretty solid day. It's not, not a bad one. Kirk Huth comes up with a huge block, a two-handed block that he pins on the side of the rim. Like That was crazy. The Cam Jones take down the stretch was wild. None of these guys are scared. And I think that is the biggest revelation of Marquette basketball through four games this year is that nobody's a pussy. And I I hate to be vulgar, but for so long, Marquette was soft. Even though Steve Wojciechowski was this hard-nosed, gritty, every white guy superlative in the fucking book, his teams were always cream cheese soft. They were peanut butter soft. And finally, there is some toughness. As Shaka said, the theme of the night was grit. This was a gritty win. This not, wasn't an easy one. They didn't cruise in this one. They had to cr- crawl back from a 10-point deficit early on. And the fact that this team has some nuts and can put them on the table is truly impressive and will make me think they can win a lot of basketball games. And they might not be the most talented group, but they have the intangibles you want. And in college sports, sometimes the intangibles can outweigh skill. You can have one of the most skilled teams. I think like Oklahoma is a good example of this, right? Like Oklahoma, this is football, not basketball. Oklahoma has a great football team. They have five stars up the ass. They were only able to produce 14 points against Baylor. And now Baylor, nothing to shy away from Baylor, but Baylor is coached by Dave Aranda, who is a toughness guy, a gritty guy, defensive mind. And Baylor was kind of in the dumps two years ago, and Aranda has turned it around to make Baylor a top 10 program again. And now is kind of getting people out of Hey, remember Art Bryles, that piece of shit, obviously. But, you know, people aren't really fond, you know, reminiscing about Art Bryles. Just like we for, I don't really think anyone reminisced about Buzz Williams because it ended so poorly. But I think we all wanted to be like those Buzz Williams teams. I think we all wanted to get back to that. And in a few short games, Marquette has gotten back to that. Now, is it sustainable? Are they able to do it all year? Well, we'll see. 
But it's really nice to give a shit about basketball. I know I college basketball. I know I said this on Monday, but it's worth repeating. It's really nice to care, to be texting your dad, who's a Marquette alum, who's going through coming back from a, getting his knee replaced. Didn't watch the game tonight, which always bums me out when he misses games. But and he's like, "Who are they playing next?" And so it's like he's kind of in on it, and get him back into the fold. Everybody should be on board with this Marquette team. And if you're not, and you are a Marquette fan, you're missing out. All right, let's introduce Golden Kegs. I'm very excited for this. I have found something that I wanted to work on a content creation that was similar to star ratings, but kind of went the extra level. And a couple days ago, I forget, it might have been the first Marquette game of the year. uh, My friend Coach asks me, who's... Who are the Golden Kegs players of the game? And I gave him a list of dudes, and then I gave some anti-Golden Kegs uh, because there were there were some. But now I've decided to implement the Golden Kegs into basically like a star ratings. We're gonna do it as like a hockey sort of you know three star, two star, one star. And when it's a one star, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just you didn't play as well as the two-star, or the three-star there. And that will be the golden kegs. And we'll do golden kegs of the game. This will be something that occasional podcast topic, I'll write about it. Um, You know, we'll obviously have graphics. That's really what it's going to be mostly used for is content creation. You know, Facebook and Twitter, because I do know I'm lacking in those spots versus what I throw up on Instagram and what I throw up on TikTok, and I think part of it too is that with Twitter, I'm it's more you're just having a conversation with me at the bar. So my conversational ways kind of get in the way of some of those infographics and other things that might be available for others. But let me explain the Golden Kegs, the backstory before we introduce it and give our Golden Kegs of the night for Marquette basketball. Since 2003, Milwaukee has had a successful club football team. From 2003 to 2010, they competed against the club football team from Marquette in an annual tilt known as the Brew City Classic. The Panthers held on to the Golden Keg, the game's trophy, for the duration of the series until Marquette disbanded the program in 2011. So you guys are like, well, it's ironic. You're going for Marquette for this. It's also ironic because you don't cheer for UWM, who got smoked tonight. And this was really more of a UWM thing. It's also a tribute to an individual family who's kind of a running inside joke inside of our our friend group. So the Golden Keg represents the players of the game. And we will do it for the Golden Eagles. We'll do it for the Bucks. We will bring star ratings into a golden keg rating. So we'll do it up to five to one. That'll be a little different, um, but we're still going to might as well keep the consistency, right? Basically, we are going to use this as sort of something that is a routine thing that you can expect from us. So look forward to it. I will tell you now, we will not be probably doing it for the Wisconsin Badger basketball team. I will talk about the Badger basketball team on occasion on the podcast, but I'm going to be also 100 with you guys. It's not my highest priority. I A, the Badgers aren't good. B, 
I don't really care that much about the team. I watch because I know there are people who listen who are Badger basketball fans. But I also will say this. If anyone wants to create content on social and wants to do a podcast dedicated to the Wisconsin Badger basketball team, talk to me. I would put a Badger basketball podcast on my network. I would put a Badger sports podcast on my network. So if you want to do football and basketball, by all means. Talk to me about it first, though. Give me a sample. Let's have a conversation and see where it goes. Because I, and I've said that for a long time, and no one takes me up on it, which is fine. I don't promote it that that well. But it's really just so... They get a voice that's like mine, but for Wisconsin. Because I, I'm not I'm never gonna do a review for Wisconsin Badger basketball. I'm just not. And I'm not gonna really be that excited when they have a, a, a good win. And so I wanna just be fair. And I wanna give you guys the best experience possible. And so we'll still talk about them. I mean they play Texas AM on Monday afternoon. I think that's an interesting matchup. I think it's one Wisconsin should win. Um, so we'll 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 have some conversations there. But I, I don't necessarily want it to feel like if you're like, well, where's the Badgers on this? Sorry, it's just not gonna appear. And yeah, I talk about Badger football. And you can say that's a contradiction. I know there are Marquette fans who fucking hate that. I don't really care. It's kind of how my fandom is. And let's not let's not be gatekeeping fandom, shall we? All right, sorry. That was a little bit of a uh, ramble. I didn't mean for that to happen. I think that in some scenarios, you just want to make sure you, you have everything on, on paper. But the Golden Kegs of the night, three kegs goes to Justin Lewis. Justin Lewis was tremendous in this game. He played so well down the stretch for Marquette. 21 points, nine rebounds. He had a career-high five threes. Also, 21 points is a career-high for Lewis as well. He only had one turnover, two fouls. Really solid night from Justin Lewis. Was a huge part of the reason why Marquette was able to come back and win this basketball game. He is a budding star. We saw it a little bit last year. I felt like Steve Wojciechowski kind of gatekeeped him a little bit. Speaking of gatekeeping, I felt like he held him back. And now we're seeing the full picture with Justin Lewis, and he can be a stud. He can be a guy that potential second or third team Big East player. That to me is the ceiling for Justin Lewis, and I will not be surprised if he gets there. Two kegs goes to Daryl Morcel. 22 points, the fourth straight game for Morcel that he scored 20 or more. I don't know about you guys, and maybe it's his body type, maybe it's the way he plays. He shoots better than this guy did. But he just reminds me of Jarrell McNeil. Am I alone on this island? Like, I think that Marcel is really similar to Jarrell McNeil. He just has that same sort of calmness to him. That same sort of let me take over in the latter stages of the game. A little bit of Chris Middleton, too. Like, that. that's kind of also what it reminds me of. Like, when we watch Chris and Chris is like, all right, fuck this. I'm winning this basketball game for us. That's what Marcel does. And Marcel, I didn't think had as impactful of a game as he's had in other weeks. But this one, he came on strong late and he finished it up. He was the closer in this one. 
nine free throws made too for Marcel. That speaks highly after you know struggling against Illinois. That's just practice. That's just repetition and good on him. Lastly, Cam Jones, career high, 18 points. Uh, the reason why Cam Jones goes with the one keg is just eh, shot selection needs a little bit of work. He was 6 of 14, 2 of 9 from 3. But look, I don't hate Cam Jones's. fuck it, I'm going to make everything. I don't hate that microwave sort of mentality on the bench. I think Stevie Mitchell could maybe learn a little bit from Cam Jones. He didn't play as many minutes. Stevie only played 13. But Stevie could learn a little bit of that irrational confidence that Cam Jones has. Cam Jones at 18 is already an irrational confidence guy. Now you got to rein that in. I don't think you want your starting point guard to be that in, for the future. But it's a, it's a really sort of good thing to have on your bench. And Cam Jones is providing vital minutes for Marquette. And he looked really confident out there. I think West Virginia is going to be a struggle for him and a lot of the other young guys because they press and they are relentless. Now you could argue that Marquette has a great plan against the press because they practice against it. And that might actually lead you more into Marquette being successful against West Virginia. I'm not saying they can win again another big game, but you never know. You, you really never know. It's the first time Marquette and West Virginia are meeting since Buzz Williams danced on the logo in West Virginia singing Country Roads. An amazing game, a game that Marquette, I think, suspended like half their roster. I was like, all right, Marquette's going to lose this. It was a Friday night, weirdly enough, on ESPN. I was in college. Uh, my last year, and that was a great win. West Virginia also wore some brutal gray uniforms in that one as well. So yes, those are our three kegs for the the first edition of the Golden Keg. It was kind of sloppy, I will admit. It's all right. It's kind of like sex first time. It's not not perfect. We'll get there. We'll get in a rhythm. We'll get our strokes in. Don't worry. Let's wrap up with the Wisconsin Badger batting preview as this podcast has already went a little too long, but that's okay. Badgers are a nine-point favorite against the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Nebraska three and seven, six and four against the spread. The Badgers are seven and three, six and four against the spread. I love Wisconsin in this. Nine is a great number for the Badgers. Holy shit. I, I hope it stays at nine when I go to the window on Saturday because that is a beautiful number. I will be hammering the Badgers. And the reason why is because how many close games can Nebraska play? Nebraska has nothing left to play for. I will admit, hand up, I bet on Duke tonight. Duke got beat by fucking 40. I was like, Louisville shouldn't be, you know, 21-point favorites. They deserved it, man. They could have been a 40-point favorite and they would have at least pushed. And Duke's three and seven. Duke has nothing left to play for. Their coach is probably gone. Duke quit. And that was a clear sign of a team that just quit. And at home too, nonetheless. I'm not saying Nebraska is going to quit because Scott Frost, I think, is trying to build for next season. But I don't know how many more times Nebraska can get off the mat. They've had close game after close game 
And I think when you see nine, with the way the Badgers are playing, because to me right now, the Badgers are playing as good of a, as any Big Ten team right now in the conference. And Braylon Allen has been an absolute phenom and a revelation. And I think he can keep it up against Nebraska. I think the nine's a great bet. I think it should be one of your major bets of the day. You can put that in a tease, get that down to three or two and a half, however you fancy it. That's lovely. That's that's even almost more exciting. As for the matchup between the two teams, the Badgers have owned this matchup. Eight and one straight up uh, in their last nine. Badgers against the spread, six and three. The over is actually seven and two between these two teams. Very interesting. Both teams have been sort of a 500 team when it comes to over-unders all season. Uh, But the Badgers have been going over, or they didn't go over last week, right? They didn't. I thought they went over, and I was like, oh, man, they they would be able to go over, but they they did not. Oh, no, they did go over. Excuse me. It's 41 and a half. They went over. So Badgers have went over in their in three of their last four games. Something to kind of keep an eye on. These small numbers are starting to catch up with Vegas and as the Badgers offense is getting rolling. So that could be also an opportunity. You could look at it if you wanted to same game tease. I don't do same game parlays because I'm not in a state that has them. Uh, but if you were to do same game tease, you could look at something like the Badgers minus three and the over and bringing that over down to 37. It's pretty good. Could get get the job done in a, in a lot of ways. But yeah, I'd throw the Badgers in everything. I'd throw them in a parlay, throw them in a tease, bet the nine. I, f- I'd f- I feel really good about Wisconsin. I understand the team wants to fight for Scott Frost, but I just think Wisconsin is a two-score team better and they've owned Nebraska. And they just seem to always have what it takes to beat down the Cornhuskers. Also, going to be cold day. And cold, Madison, don't really want to be there. I can just see see a lot of struggles from the Cornhuskers. All right, that does it for our Friday show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. On, on Monday, we will just be talking about football. That is a change from what we've been doing. We are going to just talk NFL. So we are going to do an open we're going to do star ratings, and then we're going to ride out. Well, I shouldn't. Let me redo that. All right, we'll talk to you guys on Monday. It is going to be football-focused, but we aren't going to talk about everything. So we probably won't talk about Marquette. Maybe say that for the next day. We are not going to maybe talk about the Bucks if there's other stuff happening. We didn't even talk about that Bucks COVID story that came out. Um, maybe that's something Mitch and I can discuss next week. But we, we didn't discuss that. Um, so we will we will kind of manage the schedule a little bit differently. I'm not going to bring everything into the one show. I'm going to save some stuff that we can talk about the next day. And as for a holiday schedule, probably podcast Monday, Wednesday, Monday Tuesday, Wednesday, and then nothing Thursday, Friday. Um, I'm not going to try to pretend that I'd get a podcast out to you Friday and be like, oh yeah, we have a Friday pod. No way. Just, I won't have a podcast Friday. Um, if something crazy happens during the week, all right, maybe we should talk about it. Then, then that's potentially on the table. All right. Take care tappers. Have yourself a fantastic Friday. 
We'll talk tomorrow. Have a good weekend, too. See ya. Bye.